Good morning and welcome to High Point Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's such a joy to be worshiping with you online today, wherever you're watching from, whether it's a different country, whether it's here in the States or whether it's our church uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, we're thrilled to have you a part of the High Point family today. And we're going to continue worshiping through the preaching of the word today. Here's what I'd like to do. Uh, we're in a series called Don't Give Up. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark today. If you have a Bible handy or maybe you're using a device uh, to, to read along, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. And as we do, as you do, I want to, uh, I want to pray uh, that our hearts and eyes would be open to the message today. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now uh, that your word, uh, it moves in the hearts of men and women. God, I pray right now that, that as we preach uh, your word, uh, God, that it would penetrate uh, our hearts and our eyes and our mind, that we'd see it, that we would encounter your presence this morning and today. Even as we're watching from homes and from devices, your presence and your power, let it go forth and minister to us today. Amen. Amen. All right. As, as we get ready to, to start talking about not giving up today, I thought I'd open with a story of, of a woman named Florence Chadwick in 1952 who was, who was trying to swim the 26-mile gap, the 26-mile distance uh, from the California coastline to Catalina Island. 26 miles, and she's swimming for 16 hours. I'm going to say that one more time. She's swimming for 16 hours. I can't even think of anything I do for 16 hours, much less swim, okay? She's swimming 16 hours, but a, a cloud of fog rolls in. And the fog is so thick, she cannot see, you know, the, the end is not, it's not visible in sight. She can't see the coast. She, she doesn't know how far she, away she is from finishing. And there's a little security boat uh, that's, that's coasting along with her to make sure that she doesn't drown or something of that nature. And, and it, it, wasn't her, it wasn't her inability to swim. It wasn't sharks. It wasn't jellyfish. It wasn't the tide uh, that kept her from finishing. She literally, you know, signals to be picked up after 16 hours of swimming. And, and she says, I don't know how much I have left. I don't think I can finish. She couldn't see because of the fog. And when she got in the boat, they told her she only had one mile left. And she would have been the first woman to swim 26 miles from the Cat Catalina Island to, to the California coastline. Incredible story. Now, the good news is that she does it again at a different date. But in this particular moment, it speaks to us, doesn't it? That, that when you cannot see an end in sight, it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to give up. And when we talk about spiritual things and we speak about, about moving forward, uh, it's very easy to, to quit and to give up because you, you, maybe you don't see an end to the pain. Maybe you don't see, uh, you know, an end to the difficulty that you're facing. You're wondering if this thing's ever gonna, you know, is it ever gonna run its course? Is it, is it ever gonna finish? And then as it pertains to issues like justice or injustice, it's easy to become exhausted. It's easy to become weary. It's easy to quit because you just can't see where the end is. Where's the coastline here? And we give up caring. We quit praying. We quit, we quit trusting. Today, I want to remind you, for however long that I have you, 
If you're, even if you jump off, off of the video today, don't give up. Don't give up watching this today. <laughs> but more importantly, don't give up letting God do his work inside of you and through you. He's good. He's faithful. Even when you can't see the finish line, even when you can't see the coast, he's there and he's working. Trust him today. Here's what I want you to do. Wherever you're watching from, we're going to have a little vocabulary lesson today in Hebrew. The word, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a version of justice. It's a, a crying out word that we see throughout scripture. The word is tsa'ak. Tsa'ak. Everybody say it out loud. I know it's going to sound strange to you. And even I may be not doing, maybe I'm not doing it justice, right? But the word is tsa'ak. And it means the cry of the unjustly oppressed. Now you can imagine what we're going to begin talking about today. We're going to talk about justice and we're going to talk about injustice and the cry of the oppressed that we see throughout scripture. My hope is that as we see God's heart for justice, that it reminds us of the kind of heart that we should have, the kind of crying out that we should do uh, to our God and the kind of people that we should become. Amen? In Genesis 4.10, here's what we see. We see Cain and Abel, the first murder takes place. And we see this word get put on display in the Old Testament. The Lord says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This wasn't like crying out like you're in your closet crying. This is a word described that there is a justice that is being demanded. The blood is crying out. In Genesis 18, 20, uh, the Lord, it says that the outcry, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous, dot, dot, dot. The word again is sa'ak, the outcry. There is justice that is being sought in this moment. We learn from the prophet Ezekiel that the very people that, that, that God is trying to move on behalf of in, in, in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, this is what he says in Ezekiel 16, 49. It says that she and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. This was the sin of your sister, Sodom. Okay, this is heavy. We're we're jumping straight into the deep end this morning, okay? This was their sin. The outcry of the oppressed. Well, who, who was the oppressed in this particular situation? The poor and the needy. Now, there were other sins going on in Sodom and Gomorrah that God judged as well, but this was a significant moment and a significant mention in the book of Ezekiel. I spoke last week about Jacob and Esau, and Esau having the blessing of his father robbed from him by his brother Jacob. When Esau, in chapter 27, heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry, a crying out, sa'ak. And said to his father, bless me too, father. Bless me, dad. Sa'ak. He wants justice. There is an oppression that he is feeling and that he is, that he's under in this moment. And then Exodus 2, 23. We have to mention this moment. The Israelites, they groaned in their slavery and they cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. 
We see injustices taking place over murder. We see injustice taking place over the poor and needy. We see injustice taking place over the robbing and taking of that which doesn't belong to you. We see injustice taking place as it pertains to slavery. Injustice can happen in all kinds of different forms and all kinds of different fashions. And injustice moves the heart of God. God is grieved over injustices that are experienced on this earth. You need to know that. You need to take that to the bank today. I want you to know something this morning that your pain, whatever it looks like, however big it is, however small it is, it moves the heart of God. When you feel the oppression, when you feel injustice taking place, whatever shape, whatever size, whether it's injustice to a people group or whether it's injustice that you're feeling literally in the, in the localized moment of your house, the pain that you're feeling, you know, an affair that's taking place and there is a righteous anger and injustice that you feel. God, God is moved by, the, by these moments. God hears the cry of the broken hearted. He heard the cry of Israel. He heard the cry of Esau. He heard the cry uh, 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 of the poor in Sodom and Gomorrah. He heard the cry of the blood that was speaking from the ground. God is moved by, by injustice. When you see the, the, the book of Judges in the Old Testament, the amount of times that the Bible says that God's people cried out to him and he gave them a deliverer. He's moved by the brokenhearted cries and pleas of his people. Let's not forget that this morning because as we turn to Mark chapter 10, what we see is how God in the flesh begins to move in these moments. This is a, a moment with uh, someone called blind Bartimaeus. It says, Jesus came to Jericho in verse 46. Jesus and his disciples uh, together with a large crowd, they're leaving the city. And a blind man, Bartimaeus, uh, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Tsa'ak, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This was not just a cry of, of man, I'm really in a bad place. Can you help me out? Can you give me a freebie right here, Jesus? This is a cry of justice that this man is asking God to do something about. Blind Bartimaeus, he, he feels an oppression because of his blindness, a difficulty, an inability to move forward in life. And so he's asking Jesus to do something about it. And all the crowd is telling Bartimaeus to be quiet, hush, this isn't your, this isn't your time. You're not important. The, the blind people, what they were marginalized. They didn't have anything to contribute here. And so the crowd is telling Bartimaeus to be quiet. And they're missing the heart of God in this moment. They're missing the fact that, that justice is a recurring theme for the God that they serve. They've missed it. And in this particular moment, they're missing it. 
So what happened next in the story? It's a, it's a beautiful picture. In, in, case you're, in case you're wondering what's happening as I'm recording this right now, it's literally raining outside. <laughs> so bear with me as if I'm having a difficult time here uh, trying to keep my Bible dry. Uh, here we go, Mark 10, 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Catch this man's heart. I want to see, Jesus. I want my eyes to be open. I've experienced such hardship. It's been... It's been unprecedented. It's been so difficult. I'm asking that you would remove the yoke of this pain from my life and let my eyes work. Let me see. Jesus says, go your faith. It has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. When we read the scriptures from beginning to end, we see that oppression and injustice grieved the heart of God. But I'm going to be very honest with you. Literally preaching in the woods as it's raining right now. You need to know something. That, that oppression and injustice haven't always grieved my heart. They haven't always grieved my heart the way that it grieves God's heart. And when you don't personally experience oppression... And when you don't personally experience injustice, it's very easy to, to not see injustice and to not see oppression. And I want to say that one more time. When you aren't the one experiencing it, many times it's hard for us to see it. And I am guilty of that in my own life. But when I read the Bible and as I'm having conversations and I'm spending more time praying, even as of late, I'm finding my heart growing in these areas of concern for those who are marginalized, for those who feel oppressed, for those who feel the impact of, of institutionalized uh, oppression at different levels and at different stages. And I realize we're all in different places as we're having this conversation. Some people see it uh, one way. Some people experience it uh, one way. Some people uh, believe, uh, you know, you're, you're crazy for having these kinds of conversations. I get that. Whether it's poverty, whether it's racism, whether it's abortion, people are all over the place when it comes to oppression and hardship and injustice. So let's level the playing field today. God's heart is grieved. God's heart is grieved by injustice. And his heart is grieved by oppression. And yes, whether it's racism, whether it's poverty, whether it's abortion, whether it's whatever the oppression is, it grieves God's heart. And because it grieves God's heart, it should grieve our heart. I believe this is a moment where we as a church and those that are watching, we get to grow as a people right now. If you're like me, I, I, I've told you, I'm confessing this to you in this moment, which is odd because I'm not having actual face-to-face -face conversations with you. This is over a camera. This hasn't always been an easy moment for me. I haven't always seen this, but I'm asking for you to take a step back today 
And I'm asking for you to prayerfully consider how the Holy Spirit would open your heart to those who are experiencing pain and hardship and difficulty. I want you to take a step back. Isaiah, Amos, right? Prophets in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, many of the minor prophets, they spent their entire career in ministry preaching against oppression. That was literally the call of God on their life. Entire books of the Bible devoted to oppression towards widows, the marginalized, the poor, etc., etc., etc. These things should grip us and grieve us to the point not just of, of, of having a great Facebook post, but to actual action actual sacrifice, actual uh, conversation where we walk away changed in these moments. When we read in the scriptures, Sa'ak, and we, we read of justice, the, the truest definition, when you understand the fullness of the Hebrew, is that, that it's about restorative justice. Not just justice based on what I think would make my, my life better. It's God's biblical justice, God's restorative justice. God, would you make this right? God, would you heal? God, would you restore? God, would you renew? This is the kind of justice we are to pursue. This is the tzaak that we see in the Bible that moves the heart of God. And again, I'm gonna say this one more time. What moves the heart of God should move the heart of his people. And so practically, here's what this begins to mean for you and I. It means that seeking justice, practically speaking, seeking justice means making someone else's problems my problems. It's one of the best ways I can honestly define a biblical pursuit of justice is that, that someone else's problems that, that may or may not be mine, that I may or may not feel because Jesus Christ died for my sins, because Jesus did what he did for me, because I experienced perfect restorative justice from God Almighty when he sent his son Jesus, it's now my great privilege and great honor to pursue restorative justice on behalf of everyone else. Ultimately, my greatest concern is the heart condition of everyone around me, but make no mistake about it. Biblical justice doesn't just begin and end with someone's salvation. Because what we've seen historically is that Christians, we love the conversation about relationship with God. We love and we raise our hands. We have moments in worship. We get involved in our churches and we have amazing life groups. But what does this actually mean in the lives of people in our community? It means that those who are feeling oppressed and those who are experiencing hardship, those who, who, who have never put their faith in Christ, their plight, their problems become our problems and we begin to walk alongside of them. We mourn with them. We cry with them. We seek out justice in the infrastructures of our communities, in policy, in law, in systems. We do everything we can for biblical justice to run its full course. Yes, the heart of men and women, but also the very lives that they're living. 
that we would experience biblical justice. We may not see the fullness of that biblical justice always in our lifetimes. We may not see it come to its entirety, but that doesn't mean we don't fight for it. It doesn't mean that we don't pray for it. It doesn't mean that we don't bleed for it together. Every single human on this earth is guilty of perpetuating injustice. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to say that one more time. Every single person watching, you watching right now, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're 19 or if you're 94, you and I are all guilty of perpetuating injustice. Actively, passively, unintentionally, we're guilty of this sin, big and small. And the surprising gift of God in this moment with his people that are guilty of injustices and infractions at every level is that in his great mercy, he sent his son, Jesus, for us. And Jesus lived a perfectly righteous life on our behalf. We contributed nothing. We did nothing. We offered nothing. And yet he gave his life for a people. Our problems were not his problems, yet he picked them up upon his shoulders and he went to the cross for you and for me. And now it is our great honor and it is our great privilege to do the same as people who have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same God that offers righteousness and a renewed sense of justice to us is now the the God who gives us the power to do the same with others. This is what it looks like to pursue justice. Your problems and your pain, it becomes my problems and my pain. The pastor across the street from where we meet, his name is Larry, he's a dear friend. This man has sat with me and helped me see the plight of poverty and pain and hardship in our community in ways that I've never experienced it before. And my eyes are becoming open to these kinds of difficulties. Well, what does that now mean? It means that I get to step in to other people's pain and situations and be God's grace to them, whatever it may look like. When it comes to racism, whether I personally feel it or not, other people's problems now become my problems and I get to step into their pain as much as they're willing to let me and walk with them, to grieve with them, to mourn with them, and to believe for a better day. This is what pursuing biblical justice looks like. It doesn't look like me just having a nice big moment where I raise my hands in worship, have a good Bible study, love a good preach, and then just go back to the comfort of my home when other people are struggling and in tremendous pain. Now, we pick two. There's lots of other scenarios we could pick. God's heart is moved by people who are experiencing oppression and hardship. If we remove that from the Bible, if we move that from the practice of Christianity and our faith, we are losing one of the most prolific themes in all of Scripture and one of the uh, massive attributes and character attributes of the God that we serve. Is it the only thing that matters? No. No. But is it a significant thing that matters? Yes. 
when we read of Bartimaeus and we see Jesus in the flesh, we see the crowd missing the pain and difficulty of this man who is crying out the, the, the Tsa'ak moment for justice. Instead, they're literally dismissing him. They're ignoring it. They're walking past it, much to his own pain. But Jesus hears the cry of the oppressed. And he says, what do you need, Bartimaeus? What would you like me to do? I want to see Jesus. To the surprise of all the people there, Jesus was concerned about this man's plight and this man's hardship. Why? Because the heart of God is grieved by injustice and oppression. And even in areas where we don't see it, we don't understand it, we don't know it, it's our responsibility to humble ourselves and capture God's heart for his people. Micah 6, 8 says it like this. He has shown you what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Some of you have a translation that says to do justice. Like this is what it looks like to, to follow God, to love mercy, to be humble before him, to live in, in a manner that desires justice. These aren't just mental constructs. This is how we are to live our life. And when God sets you and I apart and he calls us holy, that means set apart. That means that you and I are different than everybody else. That means that you and I are different than the world. If you've put your faith in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has filled you, then you are not like the other. You get to live differently because of what Jesus has done for you. Jesus cared about your problem enough to make it his problem. And as we pursue justice with humility, with mercy, we get to make other people's problems our problems as well. We get to humble ourselves and pick up other people's pain that's not even your own and walk with them through it. And grieve and mourn and listen and seek to understand and, and to be humble and to fight at times and to wrestle through things, to, 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 to push back on, on processes and systems and, 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 and things in our culture that embrace Measures of injustice, these are things that we get to do all while honoring Jesus faithfully as we love mercy, uh, do justice, and walk humbly before our God. This is my encouragement to you today, church. This is my challenge to you. Seek justice. Don't give up. Seeking justice. If you need justice and you feel oppressed, don't give up praying and asking. If you don't feel the injustice or the uh, oppression, would you please, I'm begging you, seek God on how you can begin to insert yourself in such a way as to make a difference as someone who follows Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you in this moment that you're a God who loves justice. You love us through our pain. You love us through our difficulties. God, you're moved. your heart is literally moved in moments uh, where we're crying out to you. The Tsa'ak 
prayer, God, the crying out of our heart. Lord, and even today, this morning, we're crying out to you, God, on behalf of Minneapolis. We're crying out to you on behalf of of George Floyd. God, we're crying out to you, uh, God, on behalf of those, uh, Lord, who are experiencing oppression. God, those who are who are stuck in cycles of poverty. God, we're, we're crying out to you on behalf of those who believe that, that abortion is the best option. Uh, God, we're crying out to you. Would you help? Would you use us? Would you minister in this moment, Lord? God, there's so many other kinds of oppression and hardship. We're barely scratching the surface. Would you move mightily in this moment? Would you use us to do it? God, we cry out to you. Help us. We cry out to you. Use us, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So thankful that you stayed with me during the pouring down rain, <laughs> the planes flying over, the lawnmowers taking place. This has been a crazy preach. I'm not going to lie to you, but I am thankful. Oh, and thunder. If you caught that, uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for being part of High Point Online. We're going to be, to, we're going to be streaming next week uh, and hope you join us for the continuation of our series, Don't Give Up. Don't Give Up.